by film, five, stand by music, four, stand by announce. Three, two, one. And fade up. Spider-Man, hero or menace? Dear Ndugu. Dobby the house elf. Who holds sway over the five points? I swear to God, I'll pistol whip the next guy that says shenanigans. This is my family. There's a hole in this catch. You concur. I'm a bloody island. I'm bloody Ibiza. How about new? You crazy Dutch bastard. Well, welcome, 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 everyone, to a brand new, slightly delayed episode of 20 Years for Beers. It's still July. Yeah, it just might not release in July. <laughs> We are a podcast dedicated to rewatching movies from two decades ago while simultaneously enjoying a minimum of four modern beers. My name is Steve, and this is my big brother, Tim, and we are coming to you from Minneapolis, Minnesota. In this episode, we are going to take a turn to the dramatic, and I believe our first foray into graphic novels. I mean, we have done comic books, but yeah, but not an official graphic novel. I would say so. Yep. Um, anyway, uh, and we will be re-watching 2002's Road to Perdition. Road to Perdition is a Depression-era drama set in Illinois when Michael Sullivan Jr., the son of a well-respected mob enforcer, witnesses a murder he should not even know about. The mob attempts to silence his entire family. Unfortunately, instead of all four members, they succeed in killing only his mother and younger brother. Forced to flee and protect his son, his father, Michael Sullivan Sr., sets out on a road to what eventually becomes a possible path to redemption for the two of them. I tried to avoid more bloodshed. You wouldn't accept that, so I did what was necessary. But I've always loved you like a son, and now I'm telling you, leave before it's too late. Think. Think. Now they're protecting him now, but when you're gone, they're not going to need him anymore. This ends with Connor dead, no matter what. That may be. But you are asking me to give you the key to his room so you can walk in, put a gun to his head and pull the trigger, and I can't do that. He murdered Annie and Peter. There are only murderers in this room. Michael! Open your eyes. This is the life we chose, the life we lead. And there is only one guarantee. None of us will see heaven. Michael could. The film is directed by Sam Mendes, adapted from the graphic novel of the same name by David Self, and stars Tom Hanks as Sullivan Sr., Tyler Hoechlin as Jr., Paul Newman, Jude Law, Daniel Craig, Kieran Hines, yeah, we'll Kieran, Kieran yeah. Hines, and Jennifer Jason Lee. Um, I actually do have an initial memory of this. I don't know. I don't. Yeah, we haven't. We don't cover them unless we need to. So, in a small cosmic coincidence, uh, our our this film and our next film, our next two films, we are covering uh, this and Rain of Fire were actually released on the very same day, <laughs> July twelfth of two thousand two. I didn't know that. <laughs> I actually saw them on back-to-back days that opening weekend nice. in, in Wilmer, Minnesota. And this week, I have watched them on back-to-back days <laughs> 20 years later. Uh, to, almost 20 years to the day yeah, later. Almost. It's kind of a weird little parallel. That's crazy. Um, I remember, definitely, I wanted to love Perdition more than I did at the time. I like it better now. Yes. Um, as time has gone by, and of course, Rain of Fire is just Rain of Fire. We'll talk about that in our next episode. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, just a weird little. Uh, that's a good one. I remember seeing him in the theater too. I was at a music festival in Wilmer for the weekend, and I was like, during the day, you know, there's nothing sure. going on, so I was like, I'm gonna go got movies. Check so, out this dour. There you go. <laughs> movie by myself yeah. too. Nice. Uh, well, with that being said, that's our good. first segment, as always, is drinking buddies. Come on, not my. Beer. Where we present the four beers we will be drinking while re-watching our subject film. Tim will be walking us through our buddies and also an additional strange brew uh, that I am very curious about. So, take it away, Tim. Perdition in Uh, Christian theology 
is a state of eternal punishment and damnation into which a sinful and unpenitent person passes after death. Sure, now what you know it, how it feels to be in this segment with you. What is it? <laughs> Cue. <boom. laughs> anyway. What does that sound like to you? Does it sound like hell? Yeah. Yeah. From Bad Weather <laughs> Brewing Company out of St. Paul. Oh, They're Munich Hellas. Yeah, okay. That's right. It's our theme beer. Traditional Bavarian lager that we'll be starting with. Let me get that here. Oh, that's going to be so great. And then out of Wisconsin, is it Wanakee? Wanakee. Yeah, Wanakee, Wisconsin. Humble Forager, which has become one of my new favorite try and get options from all the time if I can. Yeah, they get stuff. Uh, Their Coastal Sunshine Fruited Sour with pineapple, orange, and banana. And then I don't know if we've had one from Drecker yet. We've had a lot of Junkyard. But I don't it's, know that we. If it was, it was early. Yeah, I'm in the process of updating the website, so I'll Extended have to look. Extended out into Nodak, but um, we have Drecker's Doomsday Device Double IPA with Mosaic hops. That's why I was like, "Yep, I want that." And then we're gonna end the segment with out of uh, Roseville, Minnesota, Bent Brew Stillery, which is a new one that we don't think we've had. Before. We have not had it. We had been there. Yes, but yes, we've not probably had it on the podcast. Their Jamaican style stout, Fidem. F-I-D-E-M, hmm. which has cocoa, espresso, dark fruit, and this is my favorite part, rum kisses. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I was like, I can't wait to talk about that. Uh, those are the four uh, drinking buddies that we're going to have, and then we'll have the um, strange brew. We'll cover the strange brew later. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you. Our next segment, then, is the social network. If you guys were the inventors of Facebook, you'd have invented Facebook. Where we take a look back at the critical and fan reception from 20 years ago. Tim takes point on this research, since I put as little effort into this as possible. So, Tim, uh, you can take this one away as well. well. Well, to be fair, you do write a really great intro of the description. Yeah, I suppose. I never there put an effort into that. Yep. So, it's a, it's a good pairing. Um, the IMDb rating is 7.7 out of 10. Uh, Wesley Morris of Boston Globe said, Director Sam Mendes knows his way around a gangster movie, resurrecting the genre by grafting it to a Western's confrontational landscape. Kenneth Turin of LA Times said this is a, uh, sorry, this is classic, albeit somber filmmaking, restrained and mm. all of a piece by a director who believes film can tell adult stories in an adult manner, who knows the effects he wants and how to get them. Roger Ebert, three out of four. It mm. uh, was a positive review overall, but it said, uh, after I saw Road to Perdition, I knew I admired it, but I didn't know if I liked it. I am still not sure. It is cold and holds us outside, yet it is wonderfully acted. Road to Perdition is like a Greek tragedy, dealing out remorseless fates for all the characters. Shove that Pulitzer Prize square up your ass. <laughs> and that was like the most. He loves Greek tragedies. So. He does. Okay. Uh, for that year, Academy Awards is up for six nominations, including sound mixing, sound editing, production design, original score, cinematography, and supporting actor for Paul Newman. Winning for cinematography. It did? Yeah. Conrad L. Hall won for this. Oh. Just look it up. and I will. That's fine. And before we pause, we'll go ahead and you can just say I was right. While Tim looks that up, I think we'll get to the good part, I guess, uh, where we get to enjoy the beers and rewatch the movie. I would encourage you to watch along or pause at this point until you see it. Uh, because, again, as usual, there will be spoilers from here on out. It did win! It won. Man! Conrad Hall. You are forewarned. Spoilers ahead. On that note, directed by Sam Mendes, here is Road to Perdition. How is Michael? Is he okay? I've spoken to him. He understands. That's tough. Seeing that for the first time. Well, you turned out. You can't protect them forever. If it wasn't this, it'd be something else. Natural law. Sons are put on this earth to trouble their fathers. So what brings you guys to the middle of nowhere? We're bank robbers. (laughs) We're just passing through. So, when do I get my share of the money? 
do you want? $200. Okay, deal. I've had more. You'll never know. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. Well, welcome back to 20 Years for Beers, where we have just finished rewatching Road to Perdition and also have, I guess, enjoyed four new beers that we will review in a segment coming up. I guess. <laughs> We've also learned not to f with Michael Sullivan. Yeah, uh, that's a good <laughs> life lesson. Yep. But as usual, we jump right into our reaction segment that we call High Fidelity. Top five side ones, track ones. Where we discuss our top takeaways of any kind from rewatching the film. I'm sure we have a few. So, um, do you want to go first? Yeah, you, it, you, it's been it's longer not, since you've rewatched this. So it's not worth the top five, but I just want to like be really clear that I'm just so happy that we're doing this because it allows us to watch a movie again like this that I haven't seen in probably 15 plus years. Sure. And like you talked about your memories of seeing it. When I saw it, I know I saw it and I was somewhat <laughs> unimpressed in terms of just like my reaction to it. I think and expectations, right? Like yeah. We thought you got Tom Hanks, wow. you got Sam Mendes, you Coming got off of Bob, American Beauty, right. like, oh yep. my gosh. Paul Newman. Um, but it's great watching because <laughs> we talked about when we were watching it. I remember a lot of the high points, mm -hmm. but so much of the nuances and like intricacies had no idea. And so it was like a sucker punch hmm. at times watching yeah. again. So I'm just really quick love that we're doing this again because yeah, it allows us to enjoy something like this, at least for me, where it's like, Agreed. I know what's happening, but it's like watching it for the first time again. So yeah, my, it's great. I, I, I will start us off by apologizing to Stanley Tucci because I included Jennifer Jason Lee in my cast list who has like five <laughs> lines in this movie. And I knew that anyway, but I had forgotten Stanley Tucci was in this. So yep. Uh, apologies to Stanley Tucci. So, <laughs> um, my overall top takeaway is what a great example of storytelling in film. In that, <laughs> um, there is there are all kinds. Of, like, if you were to tell this story to somebody, there would be all kinds of questions in return. Yeah, like just follow up questions, and yep. you know, what, who's this person? Who's that person? And and I love that we they don't go into great detail no. you don't even realize you don't even hear the name al capone until no. halfway through this thing yep because of course everyone in that area would have been answering to capone but you don't think about it until halfway through you're like oh right duh um so you know paul newman um rooney, rooney. um he Obviously, is a higher up or slash his own yeah. family underneath, you know. But you don't you don't need that explanation. It just fills in the blanks on their own. Early on, when Tom Hanks um, talks, or when Senior talks to Junior and says, you know, go to so and so at the church, but don't go to Father, Father Callahan yeah. or whatever, because yeah. obviously he's on the books for Rooney. And I don't need those explanations. I don't need a scene with Al Capone unnecessarily. I don't need all that stuff. Just a great example of the point of this story is the relationship between the father and the son within this, like, ordeal. Yes. So I don't need the rest of that stuff. I don't nope. need all that stuff. If you're telling me, if you're making, if this were a TV series or something like that, you would yeah. have Al Capone, you would have all these other people. But no, it's just, what a great example of small storytelling in film. The shots are perfect. The pacing is not slow. It's not forced. Um, performances are spot on across the board. Music is great. We'll get into that, I'm sure. Yep. All the necessary dots are connected. Just to me, I'm like, what a great story. Yeah. Just a storytelling movie. Yes. Like, I feel like I have just sat down with somebody who told me this story about Michael Sullivan Jr., like later in life, you know, who who finally decides to tell his story of how when he was a kid and this is it. And you're like, oh, my gosh. So it's really life? good storytelling. Yes. Yeah, I wrote down that to that point of, you know, some movies are just fantastic at creating rich atmosphere out of such little dialogue or exposition. Yeah. You're right. Like that first 10 minutes 
patient mm-hmm. where it's just setting up the world and it doesn't have to have like some kind of credit sequence or explanatory items. You just put the details together through, you know, Sullivan, who is some type of enforcer. Muscle seems. man. Yeah. Yep. And then you've got Mr. Rooney and the wake and the dynamics that are in play with who is this person that died? How did that come to be? Something's off. Right. Introduction of Connor, Rooney's son, yep. who clearly is off. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, really off, you know, putting as well. And then that just kind of builds and builds in that time. So then when it comes to the scene where Connor just out of the blue kills the guy at the factory. Yeah. Who was having some kind of issue with the wake. Um well, it's a brother dying, but like, but you don't know that. Yeah, it's there's just, a story behind it. Once yep. you learn eventually, it's, it's super jarring because yeah. you can feel the tension, but surprised the violence coming out of it of yep. nowhere. But you're right. The story then from after that just plays out from those dynamics yep. that were laid for the foundation at the beginning without like clear markers, but then it just fleshes it out more and yep. more. So I totally agree. I was really impressed with the ability of the screenwriter and cinematographer and Mendes to direct it, like to, yeah, to put it all together where it's, I agree. It's not slow. It's I, I patient is the word I like to use for a lot of these movies that people might be like, Oh, it, it takes a long time. No, it, it's just, it takes its time. Yeah. God forbid we ask you to pay attention. Yeah. Like this is not a, it, it, that's like saying Godfather's a mobster movie. It's just yeah. not. No. Yeah. It's a story about family. Yeah. So is this. I mean, and, they are on the same level. Yes. There's there's as much violence as this that there is in The Godfather. And exactly. that's why I'm just like, one's viewed as a masterpiece and the other is this. So yes. I'm like, come on. So that, I to piggyback, piggyback off that, that's my first thought was, it's just so incredible that creating the atmosphere of tension and then it diffuses it throughout in those moments of levity and you know, emotional impact, tension, but it doesn't do it with really broad strokes. Like it's, it's really, really well done. I, there you go. Yeah. Sorry. Hand in the beer. Yeah. It was, it was really good, man. Yep. It was really, really good. So yeah, that was my first point as well. Uh, okay. Well then I guess I'll go next. You can. So I was struck by a couple things, of course, but, um, the set pieces are so impressive. Yeah. Just all of them. Every set piece. And it is like a story of, of one to another to another. There's yep. not a lot of in between. But, you know, we go early on, you know, not only the, the Finn scene, where like you, you were talking about with the first death Finn, that yep. we see. Um, the all, From there to, well, the death of the mother and son is just haunting god um but then like right that whole scene too where the shot of connor looking in the window and michael on the other side of the window but they can't see each other because at night the reflection is you can't michael can see him right yeah because the light's coming from inside like you don't think about that it's just brilliant yes the diner scene is absolutely amazing the (laughs) hotel scene with the um the accountant um Shooting on the street, you know, I'll try and take a little bit of vague as best I can at this point. Yeah. Um, the bank heist montage, all those scenes, you know, yes. just all of the set pieces along the way were so pitch perfect. Yes. But in particular, the diner scene for me stands out. Yes. Um, the, the back and forth between Jude Law and Tom Hanks, the specific, and you saw it too because yeah. you reacted to it. They're back and forth, and the shots go back and forth, the shots go back and forth, but then all of a sudden it stays on Sullivan yes. for longer to get his reaction, realizing who he's talking to is just a master class in film. Oh, yeah. It's just, it is, Im- and it's not just impressive, it's like, holy cow, it just stands out. And but the- all the set pieces. Is that uh, your profession or your pleasure? Both, I guess. To be paid to do what you love. Ain't that the dream? I guess so. Yourself? I'm a salesman. 
Machine parts. Machine parts. That's wonderful. I assure you it is not. So who do you work for? Can you keep a secret? I'm press. Which, uh, which paper? All over. I'm something of a rarity. How's that? I shoot the dead. Dead bodies, that is. I don't kill them. Huh. I should hope not. <laughs> and the bead of sweat on Hanks's character slowly going down oh, yeah, yeah, his yeah, cheek. Yeah, right at the end. Yep. Where that is the only indication his face hasn't given anything away. Yeah, nothing. Is he's a blank slate, but that bead of sweat that he knows something's up. That to me, I agree. Uh, all the th- things you talk about, like the that dynamic, but that's the tell where you go, holy cow, this is next level filmmaking. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That was one thing I wrote. The second thing for me was, yeah, this is going to sound like Roger Ebert snooty, so forgive me, Snoot. but I think we can agree in some ways. There are differences between films and movies. Oh, yeah. It's like when I hear the Brits say cinema. Yeah, cinema. Like, you know, cinema. <laughs> right, exactly. Okay. Like, yeah. You know, not to be like a semantic nerd, but it's there's difference to that. And yeah. I thoroughly believe this is the former in terms of it's a film. The attention to detail, the lighting, the camera work, cinematography, production design, everything you talked about, so that it builds and builds and builds and it creates this world with such exacting detail. Yeah. So then what allows it to then become an, uh, that type of film experience for me is the emotional stuff kicks in. Yeah. And it creeps in. And you're right. The, the diner sequence, unreal. Yeah. Hotel shootout. And then when Sullivan gets shot yeah. and has to be taken care of by his son, the recovery for that and the score kicks in just beautiful yeah. like and, and, and beautiful is such a inadequate term for some of these yeah. things like yeah. it's so wonderful that i <laughs> like i said i'm happy we're doing this i didn't really want to take notes yeah like i was just yeah. like i just want to it, it it draws you in and it doesn't feel like a movie where i'm like kind of critiquing it's just like immersive and wonderful so yeah i it was yeah it's definitely a film to me mm-hmm. in terms of um, the regard that it should be held in. So it's great. Interesting. You should. I'm surprised you don't have some sort of pompous word aside from beautiful. That's you know, like <laughs> no, you know, nothing. Huh. Pompous. No, yeah. just uh, um, I just yeah. The word I didn't have time for the thesaurus. So anyway, yeah. I did start off with the <laughs> what's perdition. Here's yeah. the description. Yeah, so exactly. I feel like I peaked early. <clears throat> sure. Well, that <laughs> happens to the best of us. So it's all right. Um, <clears throat> so I guess I don't know exactly which point to bring up next, but it's just kind of like, um, yeah, I, I, I don't really know what Thomas Newman needs to do to win an Oscar. And I know he sounds dude. Like, so my point is, like, we love our scores and composers. Yes. Obviously, you know them better than I do. Yeah. And we've talked about them many times before. And there are iconic composers out there. And the reality is Thomas Newman is not a household name when it comes to scores. Nope. But everyone can tell when it's a Thomas Newman score. They might not know the name, but there is no more unique, like, you know when it's John Williams, I get that. But that's because they became iconic. I'm saying... Even with Williams and Horner and the, and Goldsmith and these yes. other guys, there's some that cross over where you go, wait, is this? Yeah, is this that person? Is that fun? person? Yeah. If you hear a Thomas Newman score, you know it's Thomas Newman. Yes. And in this movie, and I know Frida is a good score. Yeah, it is a good score. It is good. But come the f on, yes. like this is perfect for yes. the movie, the style, the feel of the movie. And I think it was Ebert who talked about how like. It was visually beautiful and, 
you know, he talked about how the story, there wasn't as yeah. maybe not as much of a story, which yeah. I don't know what movie he was watching, but exactly. like shove that Pulitzer Prize square up your the ass. The score is so good. I don't know what Thomas Newman needs to do. Quite frankly, he's probably shit out of luck. Um, <laughs> at this point, 15, ter- 15 times. 15 times. You know, he'll probably get nominated another couple of times before he dies and there endeth the story. Yes. But like, I don't know. This is, this might be my favorite of his. It yeah. sounds like other ones. I mean, because yes. all of his scores do sound really uh, alike. Yes. Um, to a certain extent, certain yeah. pieces of them. But as a whole, I would say Shawshank. Yes. And this. Yes. And maybe, and I, I love Series of Unfortunate Events and Finding Nemo, but just like. Yeah. Those are all really good ones as Those well. Are great in relation ones. to the film you're watching, I would probably say Shawshank and this. Yes. I wrote down, I got to say that I often find myself being more interested in watching a movie if Thomas Newman has done the score for mm-hmm. it. Because I know it's going to be incredible. Um, he's hands down my favorite of any composer and yeah like when i can I go appreciate for walks and stuff and, yes. and i'll have scores on in the background like i like a good john williams one, but yes. just ambiance like walking around or whatever yes. he just puts you he and michael gia giacchino giacchino or whatever yes. they just put you in the yes. mood like oh, they're yeah. very similar but yes yeah. yeah to me thomas newman is the just prime example of creating an at- again atmosphere and you talk about it being similar. <laughs> Side note, I do remember watching in the theater Pay It Forward, <laughs> but that came out a little bit after American Beauty. Yeah. And the couple in front of me, I sat with mom and dad, and the couple in front of me were talking as the credits were rolling, and I heard the person say, Jesus, sounds like American Beauty. <laughs> and then he said, that's because it's the same composer. Yeah, that's how oh, it works. Thanks. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, oh, yeah, like you can watch your credits and see. But yes, I do see <laughs> it does sound the same. And I gave crap to like James Horner others where it's like, you're just ripping off the same notes. I never feel it's the same with Thomas Newman. Like it's the same tones yeah. and vibe. But sure. it doesn't feel like I can just like rinse and repeat or like plug and play for some of them. But yeah, I don't know what he's got to do to get recognition more than he already has because he I mean it, it, you could liken it to and I know t- Hanks has two Oscars I get that but short of when he back to back Oscars since then like what's an MF or have to do to even get a nomination because yes. you know after Castaway he had none until um, Mr. Rogers a couple years ago that oh, was, there really? was like a huge oh, really? gap in between that and you're like because everyone takes they take it for they take it for granted yeah and yet and, and it is. It's like I guess we're comparing it. Yeah. Meryl Streep gets yeah. nominated if she takes a poop, and John and, Williams and John Williams yeah. is the same way. Yes. Like so, it's like I guess John Williams and Meryl Streep are the you know yeah like the they, best, and then they the other two this are just overlooked somehow. I don't know. Give them an award this year yeah. for just showing up. But yes, and and that's the thing is like, but you watch this movie; it's a prime example of he can have the bagpipes and the sure. tension, and then the beautiful components come in. And just oh, are yeah. so evocative. He's like banging on the piano strings or something yes. too. Like whatever that is that he does is so good. Well, in the bedroom we had that one. Yep. Recent uh, last year, and that's a crazy one. But yeah. he does different things, different tones. But he is, yeah. I like a wax poetic. How much I love Thomas Newman. He's I mean, I just guess incredible. we talk about John Williams to the to the again the academies are not, are not the be all end all. Yeah. He is nominated fifteen times. So yeah. clearly they appreciate totally. what he does. Yes. I just think they take advantage, they probably take for granted in terms of awarding him. Yes. But there are years that I think were, were you talking about where you look up maybe with Thomas Newman and you go, okay, who he lost to? Yeah. Justifiable. Yes. This is particular year. I think you probably could have been like, okay. Yeah. Frida, Frida. fine, but you know, no. give it to him. Yes. Because American Beauty lost to Red Violin and it's like, okay. That's a damn good score. It is, actually, yeah. A movie <laughs> really? that nobody's yes. heard of, but that score is outstanding. Yes, yep. so good. Anyway, um, so I wrote down that, not to beat the dead horse, like I've done quite often, but it's totally different watching a movie like this after, after having kids, man. Yeah, it's a common theme for you, for <laughs> it's sure. It's just, just a totally different experience of... Um, yeah, I wouldn't turn my kid in either. I hate to break it to you. <laughs> no, when I before like I, before I had kids, I would not have. Yeah, I would. I was like, just 
Yeah. Kill Connor. Your son is a terrible human yeah, being and he's kill killing people. Right. But that, and yes, the murder sequence oh, with the mom yeah. and the boy, um, <laughs> to the point where at the end, we're sitting here, I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah, Tim finally realized he remembered <laughs> I know the death at the end. Tom Hanks has to die. But I become invested and the kid has to see it. So anyway, <laughs> I don't I'm crying about <laughs> Again, it, it sneaks up on you where like you think about the kid and his dad. Anyway, so And yeah. it is seeing it too. Yeah. There's a certain level of like, oh, if he finds his body or whatever, I get that, but like to see him get shot. There's a certain level of that yeah. too. And there is you have invested your time and senior has come around on junior. Like yes. he loved his kid, but yes. I, I don't think he appreciated him, right? And then yes. finally by the end, he's learning to appreciate his kid as not a man, of course, in the thirties, if you're thirteen, yeah. I suppose you're pretty damn close. <laughs> yeah. But like <laughs> Which is so funny because, like, my 13 year old now can barely mow the lawn. <laughs> Meanwhile, this guy's like got his kid robbing banks with him because, you know, exactly. Like, <laughs> that's the clutch. Times they have a change yes. to yeah. uh, paraphrase Bob Dylan. Yeah. Um, but like the scene where, like, Mike yeah. asks his dad, like, did you love Peter more than me? Yeah. And which every just, kid thinks that. Yeah. It's just heart, right? Like, yeah. And that's where I think the movie... I mean, Andre and I know that my, our parents loved you <laughs> stop, more than... Stop, yeah. stop. <laughs> but the, the great thing about this movie is like, that's where I talk about the emotional wallop comes up out of nowhere, where yeah. it's a, a artifice in many ways with the look of it, the style, the aesthetics of it. And what surprised me, clearly with my reaction now, is like the emotional pieces and the story you talk about before mm -hmm. of... Just building and building and building where then it's like these sucker punches of things where mm -hmm. it just comes out of nowhere that was really surprising to me. So I I I appreciated the execution of it when I first saw it. I think yeah. And now the emotional like wallop of it, love it. Yeah, so it good. does it, it I, I I do agree. I, I think it, it does it's a great example of <clears throat> they did a good job tapping into something. Yes. You know, and you forget about Paul Newman's line. Natural law. Sons are put on this earth to trouble their fathers. Oh, yeah. That's what this story is really about. Yeah. You know, and I think, again, not to compare, but when you talk about Godfather, the, it, it is where you, the, people think this is a movie about mobsters. It's just not. There's no. nothing about this. And and if you think it's mobsters, then, yeah, it's not going to be violent and it's not going to be good enough. If you think yeah. it's a, son, a story about fathers and sons... Then I guess it's the field of dreams of monster movies, right? Of just like <laughs> that's a catch, yeah. you know. I, I mean, I yes. don't. I, that's I think they do a great job of tapping into that. To, to you know, like to the point where you know, again, spoilers. But at the end, when Mike is dying and his son has to kill the bad guy potentially to save him, and yeah. Mike knows he's not going to do it, so in right. his last moments kills the guy. Yeah. Like that to me is the the crux of this like Oh, and he dies in peace by the way because yes. his son did not have to kill somebody. Have to kill somebody. Yep. He didn't become like him who was worried about. Like that just god. Yeah, again, it is is these we were talking about storytelling earlier. There are these depths that we're talking about things that are not spoken in the movie. Like these are not mm -hmm. outwardly spoken. Yeah. But these are there are just depths that you the can subtext. fill in the blank and yes. go, but that's not that's not my story. That's just you it's clearly what they're trying to tell you. Yeah, um, <clears throat> you know, I know he's an Oscar winner and he's had other nominations, but somehow Sam Mendes has quietly put together a pretty strong resume yeah. under the radar of appreciation, yes. I think. And I think that's because Jarhead, Revolutionary Road and that little stretch he had. Yeah. Which Revolutionary Road is underappreciated. And I, I think it's well received. I think it's I, it's a downer of a movie. And I don't think you've seen I've it. I've never seen it. Um, but you, we've talked about movies of his you've seen, so you yes. probably should see it. Because I do think, like, you go American Beauty, you know, this movie, Revolutionary Road, Skyfall, Spectre to a certain extent, 1917. Recently, he won a Tony Award for Best Director of a Play. Like, the man... And there haven't been failures in between that. He's just taking his time in between and doing his own thing. Yeah. So really, sort of quietly, I think Sam Mendes has become... A master storyteller. He's got a movie coming out later this year, and I'm like, "Yep, I'm in." Like, I'm at this point, especially after 1917. 
like I'm in dude. on Sam Mendes, you know, 1917. Yeah, so I just <clears throat> I don't know why I just was like somehow quietly a best director winner who has a best picture under his belt, another best picture nominee under his belt, one of the best Bond movies that's ever been made. Like somehow, you see, away we go with John Krasinski and Maya Rudolph. Maybe no. not Maya Rudolph. Is that him? Yes, it is. I had to look. I'm like, I think it was him. Oh, okay. That is another fantastic right, so one. That, exactly. Super understated. Right. Where they're like, because they, that's his they tone, become right? pregnant. Like everything and like, is. Yes. Yeah. I totally agree. Yes, he. Yeah, he's another one where it's like, yeah, you're gonna make a movie. I'll be there. Yeah. Right, but I, I mean, but not a tentpole film like these are generally speaking art house style yes. films you yes. know but doing it in a way that is i mean obviously except for the bond movies um <laughs> true but even then skyfall is not a traditional bond style film and that's what was no. so good about it so i totally agree yeah anyway. that cast good no i think um especially for someone that came out of nowhere with american beauty yeah he had one other film earlier than that but Otherwise, it was American Beauty. That was his film debut. No, or maybe it was a uh, music videos. Could or be something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. There's trivia about that later. Yeah, yeah whatever. So I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe my googling efforts from before. That's true. <laughs> when you only trust Google, <laughs> this one Google is IMDb. That's right. Um, okay. The last thing I'll say is um, yeah. minor quibble. Uh oh. And it's not so much a critique of this movie. It's just the mechanism by which they tell these stories and. I love this movie. After seeing it for so long, I really am happy to watch it again. It's so yeah. great. I struggle sometimes <laughs> with movies that start out like, this is going to be a retrospective of this main character, Mike Sullivan, mm-hmm. saying, I was on the road for six weeks with my father, and this is our story. And then the film proceeds to show things that would not have been in their purview or their visibility mm-hmm. to properly tell their story. I just get really challenged by stories where it's like, here's my thoughts and my, oh, I gotcha. my background and like tell you my story. But like how this, would he have known? How would he have known other that, you know, Mr. Rooney is beating up his son for what he's done after he kills the mom and son, mm-hmm. but then like embraces him again. Like these are things that you would not, that, maybe because they all die. Maybe we just saw that he's assuming. And, and that's I, I, fine. Then don't tell me it's a per, like a, you know, a, uh, a retrospective in right. that sense. Again, minor quibble in terms of whenever I see movies that are like, <laughs> let me tell you a backstory. And there's a, you would not have known that happens. But again, I'll get past it because of how great the overall experience. I'm sure. so thrilled that mm-hmm. we watched this again, truly. When it was up for what we were watching, like of the 20, you know, 2000s year, to come, yeah. was, I was like, oh, I'm excited to see it again. And God. See, and this was actually high on my list. You know what I mean? This was probably yeah. top five I wanted to watch this year. <laughs> and it's just gorgeous. Dear God. Oh, my gosh. Conrad Hall, man. Yes. Um, I have two notes about the act, the principal actors in here. that are my last two on my list. That's talk. Um, what's that? That's talk. That's check. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess I have one other thought, which was... Um, the best picture noms of this year were Lord of the Rings. So I, you you remember this, right? Where at one point I got really bored one night and I went through all the best, like the best movies from 2000 on that were not nominated yeah. for best picture, but were also nominated for Oscars, meaning yeah. that they were on the radar. Yeah. And this was high on, on that list. I mean, yeah. you were nominated for six to not be nominated for best picture. It gets yes. pretty close. But you do think like, and we're going to talk, we're not going to watch them because we're not going to watch the hours this year for sure. No. Um, we will likely watch Gangs in New York. It's on the list, but we hope to. Oh, yeah. Um, but arguably, Lord of the Rings, Chicago, and The Pianist are better or on the same level yes. as these where you would go, I would pick this movie. Can't argue with you on that. Yes, one. I can't. Yep. If you're going to tell me Gangs in New York is better than this, I'm going to fight a bitch on that one. Not a chance. And we'll talk about that with Gangs in New York later. But you do go like, really? This is the hours. The hours was better than this. Like, God, kill me now. No, um, no, we were never going to watch the movie. But side note on that, like, anyway, I really thought Newman was in this less. I had it in my head that this was like a Judy Dench style. Um, Courtesy. a lot less, you know, end of a career. Yes, because uh, 
except for Cars, and he did a voice in like some Meerkats movie or whatever. This is his last on-screen performance in a movie. He did Empire Falls, the TV miniseries or whatever after this, but that was it. This was it. Mm -hmm. So you kind of go like, oh, this was just a, like, here you go. Yeah. But Newman is so effing good in this. Yes. And he's in it way more than I thought he was. Yes. Way more. And so I'm so happy I got, even though I've watched this probably in the last five years, I just don't notice that, right? Unless we're... Yes. critiquing it a little bit yep um so well deserved for him like stop the presses paul newman is great so good uh but also stop the presses hanks is great and i the thing i love about tom hanks my appreciation of tom hanks moment here is he so rarely in fact i challenge you to tell me a time where he didn't do this but he's so at least in the last 30 years like yep. when he wasn't a comedy guy and big and that kind of stuff sure which also oscar nomination so he doesn't pick roles where the character outshines the story. Like, sure. N- there has never been a time where you go to a movie and you say, wow, Tom Hanks was totally stealing like a scene chewing thing. He yes. is always a servant to the story and he will give up scenes. Saving Private Ryan, fa- Saving Private Ryan famously, he yes. cut, cut his own lines. Yes. Which arguably cost him an Oscar. Like, yes. instead, Roberto got it. And so, he is good in that movie. That movie's terrible, though. Yes. But, I just, but anyway. But just, sure. like, life is beautiful. Just so yes. we're clear. Yeah. Like, you and I understand what I'm talking about. I don't That's want true. anyone thinking yeah. that I think as <laughs> same Private Ryan is bad. Yes. But, like, just the appreciation of him in this movie is a lesser actor or a lesser director and writer or anything else would have given him these, like, sort of scene-chewing um yeah scenes you know yes. what i mean or set chewing scenes of yes like all this like anger and things like that. he never shows one bit of anger yes he he is calm the entire time even killing people he's calm the entire yes. time hanks is pitch perfect in this and i can't think of another actor who could be able to do this that's a great call out where he is a servant of oh. the story and i i think that is why experience. he ends up not getting nominated as much yeah i mean there aren't as many good female roles in Hollywood we've discussed in the past. True. But yeah, he is, he will willingly give up anything for the story. And you think about, you know, we talk about Gangs in New York and we'll watch it this year, but, and Danny Day Lewis is unreal in what he does. But that's a somewhat different example of he serves the story, but he chews oh. scenery. Oh, yeah. And he's, is so large. the center of attention. When Danny Day Lewis is on screen, you're looking at him. Exactly. And that is not the case. For Tom Hanks, in many good ways, where you just go, the dude is just right, a, a professional. Yeah. So there's yeah. a lot of talking to talk about those three things, but I just those are my last few points. But in particular, those two guys to have. I mean, what a joy to watch two, yeah, all time actors yes. on screen and together. Like we've talked about Heat many times in the past. True. Two all-time great actors, they share one scene together. Yeah. Like, that's it. Yes. This, they share many scenes together. So, to be able to watch the two of them act together and play off each other, and I think that does tie into sort of our subconscious connection to this movie. Yes. Yeah. Newman was great. I forgot how good he was. Just, you know, aching in terms of, yeah, my son is a piece of crap. (laughs) And you would have been a better son than mine. Yeah. But he can't. But. Yeah. Oh, God. Can't do it. So good. Anyway. Yeah. That's good. I like, like those. I, again, I'm going to. This is my last comparison to it. But like, would Vito Corleone ever have turned on his kids for um, Tom, the the adopted son? Yeah. No, he would not yeah. have. He would have absolutely given up um, Tom yep. for his, even for Sonny. And he knew Sonny was a problem. Yeah. But he never would have turned against his family. Yeah. That's good. Three Godfather comparisons. Ooh, man, you're doing great. Yeah. All right. Well, as much as we would love to continue, our next segment is Drinking Buddies, the sequel. Let's get weird. We review the beers that we had while rewatching the film and give our ratings out of five stars. We're going to have some interesting conversation here. So Tim will walk (laughs) us back through ours and introduce our... Strange brew. Uh, so, Tim, what do we got? The first 
one we had was our theme beer, the Munich Helles, for perdition. <laughs> Traditional Bavarian lager from Bad Weather out of St. Paul. Uh, it was a three and a half for me. Mm-hmm. It's solid. I didn't expect much. I mean, I got it largely for the name. <laughs> and it was a lager. I was like, oh, yeah. Okay. I'm expected <laughs> to taste like a lager. Um, it was solid. Just okay. It was a nice little crisp beer that I'm happy to have started with. And I'll probably enjoy when it's really hot out this week <laughs> coming up, the others, and then never have it again. <laughs> yeah. I had a 375 out of five because it's a fine Hellas. Hellas yep. is essentially what, like a Pilsner, et cetera. Yeah. Like it's fine. 375. Yeah. I got nothing to. Um, was it Matt, your friend Matt? Yes. Um, who, when we were at Falling Knife, was like, I can't really get excited about a Pilsner. Same thing here. Like, yeah. it was just like, it's good. I, I was totally crushable. I could, yep. I, absolutely. Could enjoy that. In fact, all day long. even though it's the lowest rated one here, I probably could argue it was my favorite of the night. Sure. Not lowest rated. That's not true. But it was lower mm-hmm. rated than my favorite, like, of ratings. Yeah. But I drank the whole thing and yep. I would have another one. It was crushable. But it, as Hellas's go or Pilsner's or whatever. I'm like, yeah, that's yeah, good. It's good. And then we had from Humble Forager out of Wisconsin, <coughs> their Coastal Sunshine Fruited Sour Pineapple. Oh, sorry, with pineapple, orange, and banana. It was really tasty. Yeah. Uh, really good. Again, Humble Forager just keep on, on point, kicking man. it. Lately on point. Every time I have so that this is fantastic. Uh, it was a 4.25 yep. for me. But again, the only challenge I have is Tall Boys. Sours like this, like a thick sour, it's tough. Yeah, for me, and not just because like, oh, we're gonna drink a few while we watch a movie. Yeah, it does come into play a little bit. Like if we were just chilling out, yeah, and, you know. But I agree. I I, I could have finished through. it, but didn't. Yes, yes. I had a four two five as well though. Yeah, it's um, really good. Man. Very well done smoothie sour. Great balance. I do feel like more and more as we go, the line between beer and juice is becoming thinner and it thinner. Totally, there was is. no booze. No flavor at all in that, nope. and so in it's like the Long Island iced tea of alcohol, right? Like it's it was like a mimosa. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So it was it was good. I had a four two five as well. It was very good. It definitely shareable. So it's good. Then we had Drucker's yeah. Doomsday Device, their <clears throat> double Excuse IPA, me. uh mosaic hazy IPA. Uh, it was a four for me. I like Drucker. I think that. The challenge that I have with them is they were so far ahead of the industry. I mean, we were at Beer yeah, Fest. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yep. like Thor stuff for all the Valkyrie series. Oh, like, my gosh. People this would, is incredible. People would follow Drucker's beer truck in town yeah. to make sure because it was one four-pack per liquor store. Yeah. So they would just follow it around. Yeah. Until yeah. they cut the oh, cardboard Oh, Thor stuff. is my – yeah, what is that? Anyway, but yeah, yes. I agree. All the ones. So it's great. A little bit too much haze, I find at times, where it's like it's kind of bitter. like in the back, it's like yeah, it's too bitter. Yep, I didn't finish it because again, tall boys. But I like it; it's great. Good to have it again. I haven't had a director in a couple of years, mm-hmm. um, but again, I think the industry is caught up to what they do. So, so mine's a three seven five because of the exact same thing you said at the end. Yeah. You haven't had it in a couple of years, yeah. and I haven't either. And guess what? This tasted exactly like other Drekkers from the last few years. Yes. Five years ago. Yeah. Nothing has changed at Drekker. It's a different label, it feels yes. like. <laughs> something has marshmallow, something has cereal, something <laughs> yes. has water. If it's an IPA, it has to be hazy because God forbid they make a West Coast. Yes. There is, it, I poured it, it was hazy, I was like, it's Drekker. No way you know. So it's a three seven five. Not that it's bad, Yep. But the hundred beers that came before it yeah. were as good or better, so it's not going to be rated above them. Yep. And I, I, I think I sound frustrated because I kind of am, <laughs> because like, what are you doing here? Yeah. Like, we've talked about it with LTD in the past. If you make really good beer, why do you have to make something new? I get challenging yourself. Yep. I get it. But Drecker, um, so does Blackstack. Yes. Every beer they make is the exact same beer, and yet they call it something else yes. and expect me to shell out eighteen dollars for poor for per four pack. That's yes. insulting. Yes. If you find a really good beer, yeah, just keep making the stupid thing. Stop calling it something else. Yeah. To me, that's why I'm getting sick and tired of these breweries. Like, I appreciate walking in. We've talked about in the past fifty six with Sippy Squeeze. Yep. Lup- uh, Lupulins, um, Blissful Ignorance, yes, yes. or uh, Unmaps, um, No Trace IPA, yep. 
There's all kinds of ones. I would rather keep buying those than yeah. ever keep buying the exact same four pack yeah. under a different label with from Drecker. Yes. So it's fine, but I'm just done with Drecker. Not that it's bad. No. But I'm just like Toppling Goliath, kind of the same thing. Absolutely. Like Yep. Okay. I don't buy them anymore. Or or Blackstack. Exactly. All the ones you talk yeah. about. It's like it just feels like a new, clever, snarky name. Yeah. And to a get slap a label on it. Beer guys to buy it. Yes. And they all pontificate about it. Not to sound like Tim, but like they do. They're <laughs> just right like, here. oh my god, you have to try this. I'm like I've had this before. I you don't have to try it. I literally the same beer I've had for the last <laughs> five years from this brewery. Yes. Anyway. Yes. Continue. I'm right here. Soapbox is done. Yeah. And then we had the uh, Bent Brew Stillery, their Jamaican-style stout. Again, with a label saying with cocoa, espresso, dark fruit, and rum kisses. I would challenge you to taste any of those four. Mm -hmm. Maybe you did, but I did not. It was a fine stout. Correct. That I, I felt like three five for me three point five it was kind of flat honestly but still okay but all these things that maybe hint again the rum kiss but that's if you didn't put that on there I wouldn't be expecting it so I had to rank it lower because like, mm. I was expecting more for that why a three seven five only because yeah. Bent Brewstillery sucks something fierce <laughs> that's true so this is at least a drinkable beer from it was Bent. drinkable yes. I could have used a makeout session of rum, please. I didn't need yeah. kisses. I needed an actual Something tongue <laughs> deep into my throat of ah! rum. Like it was absurd. Uh, Why what the hell are rum yes. kisses? Kiss. What are we doing here? This is just dumb. Let's so no, I had a three seven five because it's better than any of the other garbage I've ever had from them. So I appreciate you they bought it. And I agree with you from as stouts go. Like, this would be a perfect stout to transition from fall into winter or, like, in a fall. Yep. Summer, it's it's a tough to have a stout yeah. anyway. Yeah. But if this were, like, a late September yes, October, stout, yep. I'd be like, oh, okay, here we go. Yep. But On I fire. need, if you're going to tell me that there's whiskey or rum, yes. I better taste it. Otherwise, no. Yeah, don't put it on there, man. <laughs> no. Yes. Okay, here we go. Okay, so then we have our strange brew. Take off, you <laughs> You take off, you nut. From Hoosiers. Hoosies, actually. Yeah, I thought, was it Hoosiers or oh, Hoosies? Sorry, I think it's Hoosiers. Are, oh, sorry. Hoosier Brewing Company out of Indiana. I assume. They're, well, it's... It's not Alaska. That, no. that may be, yeah. <laughs> it's not Alaska. <laughs> I forget. Uh, wait, I'm peeling back the label. That's fine. It's it's whatever. It's somewhere in Greenwood, Indiana. Greenwood, <clears throat> Indiana. Their Spin to Win Avocado Lime Cilantro Guacamole Fruited Sour Ale. Those are words we did not make up. Does that? I, I I don't know what to make of this. It's I don't know that. I mean, I guess I was maybe expecting more guacamole flavor. Like I was praying I wouldn't actually. So thankfully, it's more of a lime sour. It's very limey. Yeah, so it's it's better than I thought. But it smells terrible. Yeah, it smells like a like a breakfast smoothie that a um a personal trainer would make you and be like here this it is your breakfast smell like it that. smells like grass it's terrible yes. so i was initially really mad it's gotten better yeah what was what's your ranking though uh it's like 3.25 yeah i have a 3.5 solely because they swung for the fence yeah. and they didn't fail true but there are chunks in this, and that yeah. is an immediate knock because if that's chunks of avocado avocado which yeah. it better be otherwise i don't yeah. want to know what it is so the filter your damn beer, like yeah. When they say I do not need gently. chunks of avocado in this, but thankfully it is more of a lime sour. There's yes. no cilantro. That seems like a waste. But the color is awful. Like, yeah, it seems. It, it, it's not like, even. Do you remember we had that fun dip one from Falling Knife that looked like Ecto Cooler? Yes, that was fun. Yes, this is like gross, like skank ass. Yeah, this is gross. But props for trying, man. Yeah. I get the spin to win. If it's like a, he, you know, I kind of like feel like ding, it's ding, right. Ding. This is what they're going to put in there. Yeah. So never have I seen avocado in a beer. Nope. So I had to buy it. I'm glad you did. Yeah. And it'll be the only time I ever buy it. But I was like, the first sip I had had a giant chunk of something. And I was like, oh my God, what am I getting <laughs> into your right face now? Is like, oh, I was like, yeah. nope, nope. Immediate yeah. pass. But the flavor is thankfully mostly lime. So the base True. of the lime sour is actually pretty good. That is correct. We good? 
We are indeed. All right, so our final segment of the episode is Quiz Show. The exciting quiz program, 21. Where we research for the film. What? Where in our research for the film, we find some interesting trivia nuggets <laughs> that we hope will stump the other and possibly intrigue you, our dear listeners. Um, I do. I mean, I guess I have a couple. Do you have? I have a couple. All right. Um, I will go first. Cool, cool. Since you didn't know this. Uh, cinematographer Conrad L. Hall, who posthumous, posthumously won the Oscar because he had p- passed away before this, he won the Oscar. Oh, really? For this film, rightfully so, gorgeous. Yeah. Um, Conrad Hall is the son of fiction author James Norman Hall, who uh, Hall is famous for writing a military trilogy of books, which I cannot say the name of the trilogy because you'll give him the answer. Okay. The most influential of which was made into an Oscar-nominated slash winning film, not once but twice. First in 1935, starring Clark Gable, and the other in 1962, starring Marlon Brando. Can you name the book? Or because you, I don't need to know the series, but this book was made twice into an Oscar-nominated or winning film. <laughs> it's like the only one is like. All quiet on the rest Western front. Well, I mean, kind of. It's a military style book, yes, but that's the only one I can think of. I would give you a very easy hint. Wow. Uh, his trilogy is called the Bounty Trilogy. Oh, um, is it the Mutiny on the Bounty? Mutiny on the Bounty. So nice. Conrad L. Hall's father wrote wow. that book. It's good trivia. Thank you. Wow. Well Coming in hot. That's really good. Hot, hot, hot. Uh, so, <laughs> this was director Sam Mendes' second film after winning the Best Director Academy Award for his directorial debut, 1999's American Beauty. While there have been 19 directors who have been nominated for Best Director in their motion picture debut, only six, including Mendes, have won the award in that year. Hmm. Can you name the other five or the films they that's directed? My that's my that's my kind <laughs> of question. You like that? I'll even give you the years. You're giving me my yeah. kind of question. You like that? The, uh, yeah. You'll have to give me some sort of... You know, 1955. Hmm. <laughs> that's a tough one. That is a tough one. Okay. 1961. Okay. A musical. Yeah. 1980, a family drama. Oh, that's um, Redford. There, yep. Yeah, that's Redford for, for um, ordinary people. Eighty-three, a tearjerker. Yeah, that, is it? Um, Kramer? No, that's not With uh, Jack. It's um, Terms of Endearment. Yep. Yeah, that's um, James L. Brooks. Nice. And then nineteen ninety. Oh yeah, that would be um, Kevin Costner for uh, Dances with Wolves. Nice. Sixty-one and fifty-five. Is that yes? Yeah, sixty-one fifty-five. Wow. When you're a jet, you're a jet. When you're a jet. Oh yeah, that was. That would be. um, Oh, what's his name though? Because he was actually kicked off for half the movie. Jerome Robbins. Yeah, Robbins, because he was West the choreographer and he was the director initially, and then somebody else for West Side Story. Yeah, and that was, and then, and then it was, yeah, go ahead, Delbert Mann for Marty. Oh yeah, see, freaking Marty, man, that comes up all the time, <laughs> right? Borg it's a random at best actor for that too. Yes, I will admit, and I, you won't believe me because I did think Marty, but I would never be able to get who that director oh, was. Oh no way! I'll take three out of five. You didn't really? I'm super impressed. That was good. Odd detail: the next director after Mendes. To, to, be nominated, first... to be nominated oh, for nominated Best Director in, in his first... film debut was in 2002 with Chicago director. Yeah, Rob Marshall. There you go. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Which we'll watch later this year. Times, but yeah, we'll watch that later this year. Yeah. He'll come up in Rain of Fire for some reason, but we'll come back to that. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, teaser. All right, so um, I have two more. How many do you have? I have three. Oh, my gosh. We're going to go into two hours on this one. So... <laughs> As amazing an actor as Paul Newman was, and as many films as he starred in, from what I could tell, he never starred in a film with any of the principal actors from this film. True. Except for one. Okay. Jennifer Jason Lee. In what 1994 Coen Brothers film did the two star together? The Hudsucker Proxy? Correct. That's Which I've never right. seen, but I know. you got to see it, man. 
If you like the Coen Brothers at all, you have to see it. In my I opinion, should. It's a top five of theirs. I, I love should. that movie, and I don't even like the Coen Brothers that much. Ooh. I love that movie. I should check yes. it out. So yes, you are correct. Nice. Well done. So speaking of Paul Newman, and this is going to be <laughs> just the one you aim me on. Oh, the sorry, film was a big uh, chunk of avocado. Like you said, this is his last on-screen role for a film, and he's been nominated for ten Academy Awards. One for Color Money '86. However, many people know Paul Newman for his philanthropic work through Newman's own foundation. Happy to say, I have some of his dressing upstairs in my oh, fridge. It's amazing, yeah. Care to guess how much money has been donated from Newman's own it's since like, 1982? It is. I, I mean, I think it's over a billion dollars, but I don't know what the official one is. But it's like 800 million or something is the official. The last I saw, it was somewhere around there. Yeah, it's like 825 million yeah. or something like that. Yeah, like in I had 40 saw, years. Because, um, and I will say, so I'm going to give myself a correct answer on yes, that Yes, you should. The, only because um, there's a documentary coming out about um, really? him and I can't remember the name of his wife. Joanne, a, Joanne Woodward. Woodward, thank you. And yep. so um, there's a documentary coming out about him and it was featured recently and somebody had talked about that. So I will admit that I was close to that, but um, it's somewhere in that area, which is an, just an amazing the last movie star is what it's called. Oh, and but look who's directing it. Oh, Ethan Hawke. Um, is, yes, yeah, I did Ethan see Hawk that. Yes, directed by the whole thing. That's so there right. We go. Yes. Um, so why don't you go one more? Well, I'm not happy with this, but we'll do it anyway. <laughs> uh, although he arguably has done nothing else of note, The Haunting, The Wolfman, David Self, who adapted the script for Road to Perdition from the DC comic graphic novel. But this was not the only 2002 film he had a hand in crafting. He was hired by Universal Studios to do an uncredited rewrite for what action thriller we've discussed on the pod already for 2002. Born? Yeah. Huh. You got in uh, to kind of spruce up a bit of the Tony Gilroy script. Yeah. Well, there we go. I got that one right. Also, um, my next question is about David Self. So I was sitting here freaking out, thinking you would. Did you look at his filmography then? Just the haunting and Wolfman. That's it. That's it. Good. I saw you missed a major one. Oh, Uh, so David Self. um, He has those other ones. Blah blah blah. And in my opinion, missed out on an Oscar nomination for screenplay in this. Yes, this is up for best picture. He would have been nominated for it. Uh, He previously wrote what two thousand or what year two thousand Cold War era film. Starring Kevin Costner. Oh, uh, okay, okay, okay. Um, the uh, Kennedy. Yep. Uh, uh, thirteen days. Correct. Uh, okay. Whew. A vastly <laughs> a movie that people don't know about and need to. Movie is amazing. It's really good. It's amazing. So, yeah. yeah, he wrote that. It's really good. I did not. <laughs> that was not. Going yeah, to my you're like yet. I saw Haunting. I saw Wolfman. I was yeah. like, this guy sucks. Yeah, he has Except two good one. movies on That's his good. resume. Yeah. All right, so. Favorite film composer for me is Thomas Newman. Yes. As we talked about him. Uh, he's been nominated 15 times for Academy Award. Yes. Best resident score. He also comes from a storied family of film composers, hmm. including his cousin, Randy Newman, mm-hmm. who we've talked about on the pod before, and notably his father, Alfred Newman, who won nine Academy Awards and is likely most famous for composing, at the start of this movie, the 20th Century Fox opening credit fanfare. Mm-hmm. Had no idea. I was like, oh my God, we're watching hmm. it. Yet Thomas holds claim to a rather unique place in film history. As along with three other men, he composed or produced the music for Steven Spielberg films in the absence of his longtime collaborator, John Williams. Thomas composed 2015's Bridge of Spies. Mm-hmm. Can you name the other three and or the films they composed for Spielberg? Oh, the uh, so the other three the composers, non-John, man, the non-John a, Williams. That was a long-winded. I got you there. Question. Yeah. Holy cow! Oh, I can't remember his name, but somebody else did Ready Player One. Um, Alan Silvestri. Silvestri, thank you. Yep. Um, That's one. Yeah, Color Purple. Yep, Quincy Jones. Thank you. So, how many do I have to answer? One more. Oh uh, well. Duel doesn't count, does it? Because no. that was not a yeah. No. That wouldn't have been Williams. Think um, the opposite end of his career. No, yeah, I'm thinking like more lately here. Um, oh, Westside. Yep. Yeah, I was gonna say because I was just like yeah, Westside been... by Thomas's older brother David Newman. <clears throat> well, look at that! Look at that! The Newmans are us. apparently the most nominated family. Wow! In Oscar history. 
Which like, is funny with like ninety two or something like that. Yeah, it's, it's that's amazing because it's like two sisters and another cousin. Like it's crazy. So, <laughs> wow. Anyway, well there we go. That's a good one. All right, so I'm not even asking if there's anything else. So we'll no, just move on, good. and uh, that'll bring us to the end of the episode. Stay tuned for our upcoming happy hour on Reign of Fire, and also coming soon will be signs from M Night Shyamalan Ooh. and Spirit Away, Spirited Away, or maybe something else. We'll see. <laughs> we want to say thank you for taking time to listen and for clicking that like or subscribe button on your devices. Find us on Twitter at years underscore beers and on Facebook or head to the soon to be updated 20 years for beers.com. This has been 20 years for beers. My name is Steve. I'm Tim. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Rum kisses. God forbid we ask you to pay attention. Cinema. <laughs> Pompous. I needed an actual Something tongue more. deep into my throat. <laughs>